Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Pleasure Priority Podcast with me, Amber Taylor. This is the podcast all about how you can have the audacity to put yourself and your pleasure first, which ultimately shapes a life perfect for you. We discuss friends and family, career and money, oppression, healing, and mental health, current events, and historical ones too. Basically, all things life and pleasure and how you can create more of it authentically. I'm your host, Amber Taylor, and it's my pleasure to talk to you every week. Let's tune in. Hello, 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 my friends. Today, I have a special podcast recording for you because it is actually the masterclass I held a couple weeks back. I decided to turn it into a podcast episode. So today, y'all will be hearing about decolonizing your pleasure, what that is, what it means, how to identify if your pleasure has been colonized and how you can decolonize from your pleasure yourself. And stay tuned until the end. I get to coach two people live on the call, and you'll be able to experience the power of witnessing someone else be coached because whatever they're coached on, you'll be able to draw parallels in your own life and apply that coaching for yourself. So make sure you stick around. And uh, after that, I will share my most updated offers. Enjoy. Okay, we're in business. So welcome to the Decolonize Your Pleasure Welcome webinar. I am so excited to talk about this today and have y'all here live. Um, I do have time at the end for Q&A and um, coaching if you want it. However, if you have a question during uh, the conversation or anything we're talking about, feel free to um, just pop in uh, in the chat or come off of mute and um, What's your question for you now? Okay, so I wanted to tell y'all a little bit about me and um, I'm gonna spend some time around here because I'm gonna work it into um, the presentation and what uh, my experiences and how I've decolonized my own pleasure and uh, using that as examples for y'all. Um, so I am a, a Black, Caribbean American woman. My mother was born in Trinidad and grew up there. And my dad actually grew up in the city of Chicago and a little bit of uh, the South as well, had some family out there. And um, I include this to say uh, the importance of our own uh, environments and family structures and how people have been trained to think and how they pass that on, um, sometimes unknowingly, um, usually with the best intentions, but we can grow up thinking that certain things are right or normal when they are really just traditionally uh, things that our people, our ancestors have used to survive. Um, 
So for me specifically, um, Caribbean culture mixed with Black culture, people pleasing was a huge thing. And it wasn't even called people pleasing. It was just called um, acting right and making sure that you were likable, that people wanted to be around you, that you could get a job, that you weren't ostracized, that people um, like people just wanted to to not excommunicate you. And those things were very important. But even, even my mom told me a story of like why she named um, her kids the names that she did. And she just blatantly said um, it was so that you could get a job. When somebody looked at your resume, uh, they wouldn't have like preconceived notions of who you were and what you can do. And you'd be more prone to get a job. So um, just kind of like literally that was given to me since birth. Like my purpose was to um, be a good girl, get a good job, do good in the world, all the things, but it was always with more an external focus of doing for others. Um, so with that, I did grow up as an overachiever. Education was very important in my household and it was almost kind of make or break. Like you had to be good at school, um, or else you'll get trouble at, in, in trouble at home. And there was also the idea that um, if you weren't good at school then you couldn't get a good job and you couldn't get a good husband then you couldn't get a good life and all the things so on and so forth. But really uh, I internalized that as I have to be perfect. I have to be the best. I can't make mistakes. And that leaves no room for humanity it leaves very little room for growth and it is incredibly uh, stressful and um, not conducive to pleasure. Um, but just a little more about me, I uh, really rode that overachiever train. I graduated college um, and immediately went to Microsoft and worked as a consultant, then a program manager for almost five years. and. I did end up loving my job, but it was from a place of like, this is just what you do. And I lucked out in ending up in this place of like going to school, getting good grades, getting a good job, investing in the 401k, you know, the life plan. Um, and uh, just skipping around a bit, I thought that this plan would bring me happiness and when it didn't, and when I was stressed out, burnt out, depressed, anxious all the time, I was really looking at the world like, yo, you lied. I did all the things. Why am I not happy? Um, and that question is honestly what led me to coaching, what led me to um, make the changes in my life, hire my own coach, uh, got like kind of obsessed with it and decided to get a certification without even the intention to uh, take it further and become a life coach. But I did it in a way to, um, uh, to just learn more about it. And from there, once I had the certification and was making these changes in my life, I was like, oh my goodness, like I can, I can really help people with this. Um, so I decided to start my own coaching business in 2020. And um, 
I also put on there that I was married at 25, divorced at 27. Um, part of my, my training, my uh, colonization, whatever, if you will, was that I, um, I needed a man to complete me to complete me. I needed a husband. I needed somebody to love me, to prove that I was lovable. And so I accepted a relationship that now I look back and see like all the red flags leading up to, but I was like, oh, somebody wants to pick me. So this has to work. This has to be it. Um, and got married. And in the time of my marriage, I was doing that work and got divorced pretty quickly, um, just about two years later. And uh, I consider myself a recovering people pleaser and now a current pleasure seeker. Next slide. Okay, so what even is pleasure? Well, pleasure is anything that brings you joy or satiates you, gives you satisfaction. So yes, that does include sexual pleasure, but that is not the end-all be-all. Um, like I think looking at pleasure through the narrow focus of a sexual lens really gives a disservice to it because it's so much more than that. Um, Audre Lorde has this quote that says, we tend to think of the erotic as an easy, tantalizing sexual arousal. Um, but I tend, she tends, well, we tend <laughs> to um, speak of the erotic as the deepest life force that moves us to living in a fundamental way. So really what that means is that uh, pleasure is a life force. It is something that infuses us with spontaneity, creativity, aliveness, adventure. And these things go hand in hand with our feelings of safety and security and the ability to heal, grow, and change and actually become the people that we desire to be. Um, so I also like to think of pleasure as a layer of protection that helps us deal with life's inevitable stressors. Um, sometimes I relate it to sunscreen, um, like whether you're going outside for a fun day at the beach or work or whatever, like you put on sunscreen to protect you from the sun. Like, yeah, it's fun to be in the sun, but it's also, it can also hurt you just like life. So pleasure isn't this thing that we have to save for later, we have to earn, or we have to uh, like work hard to get. It's this thing that actually helps us continue to live. Um, it's, uh, it's the antidote to death, to decay, to stress, to the, the negativity of life. It helps, gives us that balance and the ability to survive and thrive. Like pleasure is necessary not only for our survival, but in order to for us to elevate from that as well. Okay, and um, Esther Perel, who is an 
OG in the industry of relationship and uh, pleasure coach. She speaks to eroticism very similarly to the way I speak to pleasure. And uh, she says, eroticism is the broad expansiveness of our imagination, which allows us to tolerate the confinements of reality. So again, it's it's what we need, it's what we use to bring humanity in life, make life worth living, like have a full spectrum of emotions and um, really get through those hard times as well. So signs that your pleasure has been colonized. So basically uh, everyone on this planet if you're a human with access to modern technology, um, but basically nearly every person on this planet has been affected by colonization and by um, uh, like the idea that there's a right way to do things, to be, to be professional, to look to all, like all the things. Um, and it seeps into our mindsets and our cultures. It becomes this hindrance that we don't even know to question sometimes um, because it's so ingrained in us and how we think and what we do. Uh, so ways that this may be showing up for you is um, you feel disconnected, uh, maybe a sense of stagnation, emptiness, like a mental fog, you can't get clarity, uh, you're not in a state of flourishing, flow, or pleasure, uh, you discount your, your accomplishments or reserve your joy as a reward for um, doing something, getting something, um, making yourself you know, do what you don't want to do instead of just a natural part. Um, like I see pleasure as uh, as inherent as eating, sleeping, and going to the bathroom. Like it is not a reward, but it is your right. And um, you are always putting other needs for and other people's needs first or ahead of your own. And this isn't to say like you know, fuck everybody else, they don't matter, they don't count, um, they can't, um, they, 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 I can't put anybody else's needs of, ahead of mine, uh, we still are humans, we still live in community, and there's still times where we choose to put other people's needs first or take them into consideration, however, when we're always doing that, when we're always putting ourselves down, um, or putting ourselves last, we're not really taking care of the main asset, AKA us. And we are all worthy and important and our needs matter and we need to start with us. And um, finally, you believe that there is a right and wrong way to experience pleasure, to enjoy life, to do things, to even with different types of pleasure, like, oh, this is the good pleasure, this is the bad pleasure, and all that kind of stuff. You have this dichotomy of what's right and what's wrong. And, and that's really just not true, it's not the case. And of course, this list can go on and on, um, but just to use an example from my own life is uh, when I was working cor corporate, 
I worked so, so hard. And you would work all year to earn this two weeks of vacation. But then when it actually came time to take a a vacation, you start to feel guilty. Uh, Oh my goodness, I'm leaving my team. There's so much work. When I come back, there's going to be so much to do. I might as well not even take it. It's stressful to even go on a vacation and you talk yourself out from enjoying time off from uh, work from capitalism, like from a break from just doing, 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 and going, going, going. And so many people are like that, that it's become um, like people question like, oh, wow, you're going on vacation again? Didn't you just go? Don't you have a job? Like, yes, but I am also a human and I deserve rest. I deserve a break. I deserve pleasure and all the things. Okay. So the importance of decolonization. The world is way too big for everybody to be thinking and doing the same things. When we actually um, allow ourselves to live in our authentic truth, when we um, like don't think of our flaws as imperfections um, because really according to who um, our flaws are not our flaws but who we are and how we're supposed to be and yes we can choose to change them but that doesn't make them inherently wrong and when we accept that about ourselves when we actually um, look inward and have a connection with our mind body and spirit we know what we want we we are listening to our inner voice, our our intuition, and that thing that tells us what we really want to do, everybody gets to experience that healing. It has a huge ripple out effect. And everybody gets to walk in their purpose and their pleasure. And we get to heal the world together. Um, One of my friends, uh, Sean Rooney, who is an ADHD coach, uh, neurodiversity, neurospicy. Um, she has this uh, this saying. Well, we have this conversation, and uh, this quote is loosely based on that. But the solutions to the world's problems are hidden in the minds and bodies of those oppressed by normalcy. Um, the way that we should do things, the way that we should look, the way that we should be professional, the way that we should think, um, the way that we should insert whatever you want. There is no should because there is no um, no hierarchy. There's not supposed to be a hierarchy of what's right and what's wrong for everyone. We get to choose that for ourselves. And the best way to do that is connect back to ourselves. Okay, so how do we really do that? I um, broke this down in three main steps uh, for us today. And I um, know, of course, there are more than that, but I wanted to uh, give you guys some actionable, uh, like actionable content. So first up, know your worth. For starters, your worth is inherent. You are born with it. There's nothing that you can do to add to it. 
um, or subtract to it. It is just, it's just inherently in you. And um, one way that I like to kind of prove this to people, because uh, sometimes people have a um, an idea of like, no, it's not me, or no, if you don't, if you're this age and you're you don't work or you don't contribute to society, then you're not worthy. Or if you look like this, or if you blah 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 blah, then you're not worthy. And I like to do the baby test. Um, because most people would agree that babies are worthy and they don't do anything. Like they literally come into the world and they need help eating. They need help to wipe their butt. They need somebody to always be around and look after them. They don't know how to do anything. They have to learn everything from scratch, yet we consider them worthy. So then it's like, like looking at a child's life cycle and asking yourself, okay, so when when does the when does the scale start to tip? Is it at one year old? Like, oh God, you're not walking yet, kid. You got to get it together. Keep keep it up. Or like, no, no, they're still worthy. It's like, okay, five. Well, you know, you should be cleaning up after yourself. You should be um, going to the bathroom on your own. You should be able to communicate certain things and blah blah blah. Like does doing that make them worthy or not? Then when you start continuing to move the age up, 10, 15, 20, what are your classifiers and qualifiers of what makes someone worthy or not just based on their age and what you or society expects from them at that time? You can ask yourself this question and if you want to put it in the comments of like, when you, um, when that scale tipped for you uh, in your mind, but really it never goes away. It never stops because we can all agree that babies are worthy. Then that means we all are forever for eternity. It's so subjective. Well, oh, well, if you're this age and you need to do this, but then, oh, some people think this at this age, that's just different people's thoughts and beliefs playing into um playing playing into what they what they believe is worth or not and worthy or not and there's there's really nothing that you can do about it your worth is yours it's inherent to you and you always have it and you always deserve it so um this last point here i put was just you are just as deserving as who you love most. So I also like to do this exercise with people and sometimes they think of their partner, their best friend, their dog, their pet, you know, whoever. And they think, oh my God, they deserve the world. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, it doesn't matter all the bad things they've done or the like, whatever. Like, I just love them so much and who they are. And I, I think they're so worthy of everything they want. They can have it. But it's oftentimes hard to reflect that back to ourselves. But I just want to remind y'all that you are just as deserving as who you love the most. Again, you can't get rid of it. You can't add on to it. It's yours. Okay. And next slide. So 
um, another step to decolonizing uh, your pleasure is to create the safety or create the feeling of safety in your mind, your body, and your nervous system. Um, it's one thing to understand these things conceptually, but if you're having a nervous system response or if your brain's going, well, yeah, that works for them, but not for me, um, it's very hard to actually practice and implement these things. So we want to create an ability to feel safe in rest. It's okay for me to take a break. It's okay for me to not get all these things done. It's okay for me to take a nap. It's okay for me to go on vacation. It's okay for me to get the support that I need um, to feel safe in, again, imperfection of not doing something right, of making mistakes, of failing, falling on our ass, and uh, even to bring up babies again. When a baby is learning to walk, and they take that first step and then they fall down. We're not like, oh God, so dumb. Like, how could you just fall like that? You don't, you can't even get it. We're like, oh my God, you took one step. You did it. You did it. We're so happy. We're so proud of you. And that level of um, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fall on your ass. It's okay to figure it out we need to bring that into our adulthood. We need to have that level of grace for us ourselves as we continue and we create that safety in our minds, in our bodies, and in our nervous system. Um, again, the safety in asking for help, for making money, for achieving your goals, for being happy. If we don't actually feel safe in these things, if we're having a nervous system response, if our body is responding to, um, oh my gosh, I just got a check for X amount. Like, wow, I've never had this much money before. Like, what do I do with it? Am I allowed to have it? Is it safe for me? Is somebody going to take it from me? All these things, it's, we need to create that feeling of safety uh, in order to actually act on these things and have these things. So uh, I help my clients decrease the time spent in the dysregulation, in the uh, in the nervous system response, in that um, either shut down state of like, oh God, I'm uh, depressed, I'm anxious, I can't do anything, um, or that high sympathetic state of go, 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 do, 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 can't shut down, can't uh, take a break, can't do anything, just, just got to go, 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 go and achieve and to actually spend time uh, and increase the time spent in the regulation, in the window of tolerance, where we can actually, um, where we have the ability to tolerate and be there and to be calm, connected and creative and actually experience pleasure without uh, having a negative reaction to it. Um, and we increase that mind-body connection. So those things that you understand consciously, uh, you can actually also understand um, in your system, in your body. And when you have that alignment, when you have that connection, things get so much easier to move and move through. Uh, it's like the difference between um, being pushed into something and being drawn to it. Uh, for example, for me, I had a very strong 
push to be good at things and perfect and an overachiever. It was um, one, societal and familial expectations, um, but two, like there were there were consequences in my household uh, if I wasn't, um, you know, if I wasn't good at school, if I wasn't good at basketball, if I didn't do things right and all that kinds of stuff. And there were these very strong consequences that motivated me to do all the things. Um, even uh, with myself as being with someone, being someone with ADHD, uh, it was never caught on um, in my childhood because of how how good I was at staying on top of my schoolwork and organizing myself and doing all those things. And it's because I had these consequences um, that I was, you know, scared to get so, uh, or like have happen. So I would do what I needed to do to avoid the consequence. It was pushing me and uh, instilling me. And I had to like have this stress response in my body to even get the energy to do the thing, which um, definitely created some, uh, some stored trauma for me. But uh, as I grew up, as I learned this work, as I healed myself, I noticed that I had a harder time doing things because I didn't have that push. I didn't have that consequence. I didn't have that um, like, oh, shit, this has to happen or else. Uh, and I created the safety for myself. But then I had to figure out that uh, there is a pull. There is a draw. So it's not the um, this has to happen or else. But this is who I, I want to be. This is how I want to act. This is um, this is the life I want to create for myself. And that being strong and clean enough to pull you, to draw you, instead of you constantly have to push yourself to it. It is night and day, y'all, night and day. The ability to dare to audaciously go after what you want. And um, this requires self-acceptance, like really truing, truly accepting yourself for who you are, as you are. And I think acceptance is the foundation to self-love and everything else. Um, also self-connection. How are you relating to yourself? How are you talking to yourself? Do you know what you want? And when, um, when your inner knowing, when your inner voice is talking to you and how to listen to it and understand it, uh, and really hear it. Um, and then self-prioritization uh, is actually the ability to put yourself first, to put your pleasure first and, and do this work. So I wanted to give y'all a little activity and you can write this down on your own, your piece of paper, or if you'd like to share um, in the chat, but I want you to take um, a couple seconds or a couple minutes to write down a pleasure bucket list. Like what instantly comes to mind or even when you think about it for a while of what do I want? What would I like to experience? Not what can I experience? Not what can I afford? Um, but actually, what do I want? 
I want you to take a second to connect to your intuition without judgment and write down, we'll shoot for 10 things that you want to do and try. So I'm going to give y'all a, um, a second to work on that. Okay. Does anybody want to share what they came up with? Ooh, I want to own an emerald green Porsche 911. And I want to write a book. Ooh, I love those. Emerald green Porsche, that is so specific. And I love the color green, money green. Um, but I don't think I know that car specifically. I'm going to have to look it up. I think one for me is, um, I might have shared this with my email list before, but I've had this... Um, this dream, this goal of mine to have like this deep control and um, uh, connection to my body. Like I've always thought it was so cool that people could just like, you know, do a backflip just standing up. And I was, I got kicked out of gymnastics because I grew too tall too quick, but I've always been like infatuated with the the abilities. Um, so I've been doing uh, flexibility and mobility training. And I just have this like idea um, that on my 30th birthday, I'm going to be, um, you know, somewhere amazing. And I am going to um, like be dancing and then I'm going to do a handstand and I'm going to drop into a split and it's going to be amazing. Like, I have no idea why that's so vivid in my head, but like, it's on my list. And no, I have never done a split in my life, never even a cartwheel, but hey, um, we can drink. Ooh, Amina, love the list. Rest whenever I want to, work the hours I want to work, walk in the forest and um, the heath under the blue sky and marvel at it, uh, drive to the Royal Opera House in an Uber exec, yes, ma'am um and sit instead of stand um learn with an inspiring dance teacher in a dance studio every other day swim outside a few times a week um go to the osteopath when my neck hurts weekly date night um yes uh and feel a sense of peace a sense of openness groundedness clarity um and it comes with the state of meditating with others. Wow, that is such a beautiful list. And I want y'all to look at this list. Okay, Claire, um, I'd like to play with stones and mud in my garden. I'd like to make huge rock sculpture or something. Maybe um, have water run through it. That sounds cool. I love a water feature. Um, I have no skills in this area at all, but read about an old guy who did it and it sounds fun. Like, honestly, we don't have skills until we build the skills. So it's never too late to learn. It'd be awesome. Um, very, very cool. I'd love that. And uh, I want y'all to take a look at your list. Take a look at what you wrote down and really connect with how you feel, even thinking about the possibility of it. And 
I want you to connect to that feeling, get familiar with it and really ask yourself, is this something that I'm used to feeling or is this foreign to me? And ask yourself, how can I create more of this feeling in my life right now? I also want you to look at your list and see how it's actually possible to achieve. Maybe it seems like a long shot right now. Like for me, who can't do a split or uh, doesn't really have the most upper body strength, like, but I can really visualize myself doing it, seeing it, like literally feeling how free I would be to experience my body in that way. And um, I want you to really connect to that version of yourself and the possibility of it re becoming reality. And then I want you to play with, how can I make this a reality for me now? But um, why we're not taught to prioritize our pleasure or why society doesn't want us to decolonize from our pleasure is really because of who it benefits or who our, um, who our decolonization, who our self-prioritization stops benefiting. We stop working towards that uh, collective capitalistic goal of um, a small number of people at the top being very privileged, very rich, and everybody else working towards them. When we start doing this for ourselves, when we start making decisions for ourselves, not only do we liberate ourselves, but others around us. It does have that ripple out effect. And when we, when we choose to prioritize our pleasure, when we choose to actually believe differently than what we're taught, we're able to see the possibility in the things that we didn't think were for us and things that we didn't think were possible we actually begin to create those as reality. And, um, and that in and of itself creates more space for that authenticity, for our ultimate purpose, and for us really living in a society that's not depressed and anxious and sad all the time, one that's co-collaborative, and people are operating in their truth, operating in their purpose, operating in the ways that light them up, that allow light to shine on others as well. And we do this individually so we can do it together and really change how everything works. It really starts with one, y'all. Um, but yes, my last slide here was just Q&A. So I'd like to open up the floor and see if y'all had any questions. Thank you for your presentation. It was, it was really enlightening. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, I just wanted to get coaching because I'm going through a bit of a challenge with um, 
like trying to work eight hours a day and also trying to do a number of hours of childcare work as well mm-hmm. and feeling this huge sense of heaviness mm-hmm. um, feeling like dull you know mm. not feeling alive not feeling um peaceful or curious you know or excited and I think it's because of the lack of autonomy really that I'm experiencing Mm. right now with so many work like paid work and also unpaid work Mm um yeah (laughs) yeah I'll stop there (laughs) yeah let's start with that heaviness um where do you feel the heaviness in your body feel it on my chest you know like not being able to breathe okay okay so a little bit of restriction in your chest yeah um if you were to place your hands and put pressure on your chest what does that do to the heaviness I feel something saying when I put my hand on my upper chest I feel something saying I'm here to support you And when you feel that level of support, what does it do to the heaviness? I kind of feel, I feel myself just automatically taking really deep breaths, you know, Mm -hmm. breathing, not feeling that constriction of the breath. And when you're taking those breaths, is, um, do you have any inclination or is your body uh, calling to do anything else? Maybe like, uh, a constricted motion like you just fall over or maybe you're standing up straight or maybe you want to move or look around is um does anything like that happen when you take those breaths as I take the deep breaths I feel kind of almost like my, my shoulders relaxing mm-hmm. I feel like it's reg- it's it's taking me out of dysregulation I feel this like regulating kind of feeling yeah. And in that regulated feeling, is that familiar for you or does it feel a little foreign? It feels it feels like I'm I'm going back to safety. Yeah. Yeah, I, I it doesn't necessarily feel super unfamiliar, but it just feels like I'm going back into a safe place. Yeah. Okay. And I want you to um, take this, well, before we go anywhere, when you feel connected back to the safety uh, and you feel supported and you have that that level of support um, and the deep breaths, is there anything else that you feel called to do in your body or any way, any other way you can support yourself? I think, sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. The, the thing that, the thing I feel, the thing that, that wants is to come is just to stop, you know, just to stand still, mm-hmm. feet grounded, not, not walking forward, you know, not moving, just to stop. So let's follow that. And just, um, are you available to... Uh, put your feet on the ground, maybe stand up and just feel that that still groundedness. Yes, yes. Okay. And what happens when you just allow yourself to be still and grounded? 
I can I can hear the the thought I am, and it feels like it feels it feels strong. It feels rooted, and it feels apart from all the things that might be pulling me to to from side to side. Mm-hmm. It, it feels strong. Yeah. And. So you have that I am, and it sounds like I am strong, I am still, I am grounded. Is there anything else that that comes up when you think I am? I am, I am supported, like I can feel almost like roots of a tree, like I can feel something reaching out from the soles of my feet down into the earth. I'm, I'm rooted, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm supported. Beautiful. And when you take that strong, grounded support and you think about your eight hour days and your childcare, what comes up when you're in this place? I feel, I feel an, a kind of bubbling excitement that I know I can change it. I can. I, I am entrepreneurial, I am creative, I can, I can change it, I can, I can support myself whilst I'm transitioning and I can make the change to work the hours I want to work and to be the kind of mother that I want to be. I, I'm fully confident in myself that I can make that change. Um, that is so beautiful. And see, we didn't change your schedule we didn't take anything off your plate and granted that is work we can do to adjust and see where we can um you know take things off to make things easier but it's really the the feeling that we have when we approach our responsibilities and the things that are on our plate because i mean i'm assuming that the job is at least necessary right now to maintain the lifestyle, food on the table, um, things of that nature. And the extracurricular work is you moving towards more of what you want. And it's just the balance of time. And um, both of those things, because in some part of you wants all of it. And it's really reminding ourselves that we, this is what we want we are supported in it. We're allowed to be creative and excited and busy and have that support with us uh, and through us, um, even when our plate is full. So uh, I just wanna ask you now, like, how are you feeling with with this situation um, and, and this coaching that you got? Yeah, I'm I'm really grateful for your coaching in particular because I feel like it's really nice to go through an experience of the feelings, the feelings in the body, noticing where the feeling is in the body, um, listening to the intuition of the body, almost like the things that we're going through, the traumas, the challenges. It's like physically they're inside the, the body in a way and the body can be used to unlock to unlock um, kind of the way forward as well and I I really really appreciated that and it's nice to have a kind of um, experience yeah like a a, almost like a almost like a physical experience of it because then I can keep going back to this whenever I feel 
um, weighed down. I can just put my hand on my chest, you know, stand on the stand with my feet flat on the ground and just keep grounding myself in this and keep reminding myself of who I am. And it, it, it feels powerful and I feel more confident and I feel more positive and I feel like I know where I'm headed. I know where I need to go and I know I can get there. It's just a matter of time. I just got chills and that means truth has been spoken. Um, Meg Gray is always that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Amina. And uh, yeah, totally right. Our bodies hold so much wisdom and usually we think like, oh, our brains tell our bodies what to do. And like that signal is going one way, but it's actually going both ways. Our bodies tell our brains or give our brain signals a lot of the time. And it's really learning how to, to tap into our own wisdom internally because the body knows, body knows. Thank you, Amber. Thank you very much. Of course. Okay. Does anybody else have any questions, comments, and concerns, desires for coaching? Let me know. Uh, I had a question. Um, yeah. Just it made me think you're coaching for Amina, the talking about the body nose. Mm -hmm. And um, it's something I've always found, or I find difficult in terms of thinking about pleasure in that I've got um, a condition that means I've got like chronic pain mm -hmm. and I guess because like pleasure and pain are often seen as sort of like opposites mm -hmm. and I guess sometimes I think when I'm trying to think about what my body wants like if I'm in pain it almost always just wants to lie down and take some some painkillers and it sort of I guess I get a bit like oh, I don't quite know how to put it it's almost like there's there's the sort of like being ill and suffering the pain. And then there's also like a little hedonistic part of me that I think like I was a bit of a stoner wreckhead in, in my youth that would sort of kind of enjoys taking the painkillers in that it's like opiates and they give you um, a sort of buzz. And then I feel guilty for enjoying something that's a painkiller. Mm. And it like, it all gets like psychologically confused. Um, mm. And then thinking about anything when you're in pain can be quite difficult anyway like your brain isn't at its best and yeah I guess I sort of worry of like is that almost like is it right to enjoy aspects of what pain brings into your life and will I like accidentally end up with like an addict's mindset or something by taking the painkiller sorry that's quite a complicated uh, yeah. <laughs> thought. yeah no not complicated at all it is um a couple parts I want to touch on so uh I might forget, but I'll, I'll go with them mm -hmm. first. So that last part of the guilt in um, getting pleasure out of a painkiller, that mm -hmm. patriarchal conditioning, that is, there's a right way to experience something. There's a wrong way to experience something. And if I enjoy this, then something's wrong with me or something's bad, or I'm headed down a bad direction. Um, there is a difference between um, like moderating a, an experience uh, of, of coaching or, um, oh, thanks Amina, we'll talk to you soon. Um, but there, there's a difference in the experience of um, like actually experience something and, and moderating it. And then there's a difference in 
abusing it. And um, I think this language comes up a lot if, um, if in, in like weight loss, uh, I'll, I'll draw a correlation there. Somebody's trying to lose weight and then they, um, they like, oh, well, I can't have any sweets or I can't have pizza. I can't have bread. And if I, if I eat it, then I won't stop. And then I'll gain all the weight back. And like, there's this, um, this illusion that we don't have self-control or that we don't have uh, the ability to moderate our experience. And if we do uh, do these things or enjoy these things, um, then it will just, like you said, be like a hedonist and, and like get lost in it. And that's not the case, that's the fallacy. And there's a, there's a level of trusting yourself that I can experience this and know when to stop. But there's also the unshaming of it that me experiencing this is not an issue. Um, so I also want you to um, think about kind of the, the first part of what you said of like um, pleasure and pain are opposites. And they can be seen as opposite ends of the uh, spectrum, but they are directly correlated. Like our experience to experience pleasure is directly correlated to our experience, uh, ability to experience pain. If we're not willing to experience one, then we're unavailable to experience the other. So really actually unshaming from your chronic condition and being like, oh, well, um, if I just am in pain, then that just means I want to like lay down and take painkillers. Like that is um, likely something that you've done in the past and relied on, but with the component of this is the only thing I can do, or this is acceptable, or this is this is the only thing that I'm available for or have the capacity for. And then when we actually one like psychologically unshamed from from that dynamic and then to like really connect with the body and see where our desire is so instead of that push of like oh this is what I have to do um we have that pull to this is what I want to do so it's very possible that we even within that dynamic of pain that the only option isn't just lay down and take the painkillers but there's other areas of, uh, or avenues that we can explore um, that your body understands uh, that maybe your mind isn't caught up with of this is another way to soothe what's going on here. This is another way to get what I need. This is another way where I can actually experience pleasure. Um, like despite the pain that, um, that you chronically experience. So, uh, that's my two cents. I feel like I'm <laughs> a little bit. So I just want to see how that lands for you. No, that's brilliant. I love the the sort of philosophy in in that of of because I'm aware of that sometimes when the the voice that sort of says lie down and take painkillers. That sometimes I'm aware that I could say like go for a walk or do I've got this kind of physio set that I can do. And there's almost a bit of me that's like, oh, if if the world sees me physically doing something while I'm also saying I'm in pain almost like I'm not doing pain right you know like I'll be sort of judged for being able to be active yeah. and I, I think that's probably quite common with a lot of like invisible illness where it's that sort of 
it's almost like, oh, well, if you want to be given whatever, like support at work to work from home or what have you, then you have to kind of present always as someone who can't, who fits the mould of an ill person, which is someone like lying in bed um, as a sort of stereotype. And that is really interesting because I have caught another sort of, yeah, like a resistance in myself when I'm like, but yeah, but if I know what, I could also do this other thing that can sometimes help. I shouldn't be scared to do that because I'm worried these other imaginary people are going to judge me for it. And um, that's really interesting that you sort of not that that's you said something way more eloquent than that, but that like that's that's made me think of that. And that that's really interesting. Yeah. And like just noticing where that um where that socialization comes into play like this is what illness looks like and if i act anything outside of this perceived mold mm -hmm. of illness then that means oh i'm not really ill or i can't get support in the ways that i need or i can't work from home or like whatever and like one let's pay attention to who created that mold of illness and like it's very it's 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 so thin and barely anybody really actually fits that and we deserve support, even if we're not, you know, the only thing we can do is lay in bed. Like we could do things, we could get up, you could do the other things that like make you feel better and still need and deserve support. And um, just, just like looking at it in a way of like, yes, they're like the imaginary people may judge me, but there's also that very real um, societal conditioning and expectation that like really curbs our behavior. And it's us, again, putting our needs and our pleasure and what makes sense for us first. So that like, even if and when, because somebody's always going to have an opinion when it comes up and when it comes back to you, it's you being strong in, um, and your own needs, wants, and desires, uh, so that that other stuff um, can't really make its way through. I have this other quote, quote by uh, Audrey Lord. I'm quoting her a lot today, and I might butcher it, but it, it's basically the idea that um, when I'm strong in something, when I accept something about myself, no one else can use that as a um, as a detriment to me or as a diss to me. So if I like if I accept where I am and who I am and what I can do and what I can't do and what I need help with, nobody else can be like, oh, my God, you need help with that. Oh, my God, you got out of bed. That means you're not like, OK, I accept this about me. So that doesn't even affect me. Oh, that's brilliant. That's such a good quote. I, I'm going to have to find that. Yeah, that's anything that kind of makes you get in that mindset of like, well, if I if I look after myself, I'm like screwing the patriarchy is like good motivation to do it as well right in like um yeah and yeah that is like a nice little bit of something in your arsenal to defeat those voices like you say that have been socialized to have this this is how you're ill um oh it's brilliant Ooh. <laughs> oh you're good aren't you <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you i'm glad that was helpful uh, very helpful thank you do you have anything else or do you feel complete oh uh, yeah I'm just going to mull on that that's um it's funny because I've I've thought about like sort of philosophically this sort of stuff a lot and um but it's funny how still sometimes it, it takes someone else to like really make it 
connection of a step that you're missing if if you know what I mean like um yeah we got to get out of our own heads yeah 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 it's very good evidence for that so yeah thank you so much Um, of course of course all right y'all any anything else any other questions comments concerns coaching um uh Claire Rebecca thanks you for talking about the chronic illness it is something that I think a lot of people don't talk about because just like you were saying Claire it's like it's hard to talk about because you think that you don't fit the 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 mold of what it should look like so it's just these things that we suffer silently with and we don't have to suffer in silence it could look any way we want it to because it does it looks the way it does for us because is that the way it exists um you have that link as well and um yeah i guess i will end it here Thank y'all so much for coming and talking to me and sharing with me and the group. Um, just to say in this month of love, I love y'all. I see y'all and I want y'all to win. And um, we'll talk soon. Oh, thank you. You're a genius. I accept that, Claire. I accept that. Thank you. Okay. Have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend, and I'll see y'all soon. Bye. All right, y'all. That was the class. I hope you had your pens and notebooks out and were taking notes so you can apply this to your daily life. And if you are ready to take this work deeper, I am ready for you. And I'd love to introduce you to my offer suite. I have my signature offer, the Earth Shatterer, which is six months of coaching together, mindset, somatic, holistic support for your individual needs. And we will go slow, we will play, we will explore all areas of your life that you'd like to bring up and look at. And how pleasure coaching can help you live a more impactful, purposeful, powerful life. Then we have the eruption, which is my one month fast paced program. It's all the goodness of the six month program, except we're super streamlined and focused in one area in your life. We have four coaching sessions within one month and included the Voxer support as well. Then finally, we have the playground, which we get to play, we get to talk, we get to explore. And by the end of it, you walk away with your own pleasure plan for how you can prioritize pleasure in your life and the active action plan that you can use to make those changes today. Now, price points. The Earth Shatter is $10,000 for six months. The Eruption is $2,000 for one month. And the Playground is $500 for one 90-minute session. All of this can be found on my website with more information and the link to book to your free consult. 
That's www.ambertaylorcoaching.com slash work with me, one word. And y'all go ahead and make sure you are on my email list. So you will have all the next information as soon as it comes out for my next webinar. I'll talk to you soon. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pleasure Priority Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If it's your pleasure, check me out on Instagram at Amber Taylor Coaching and my website, www.ambertaylorcoaching.com for more on increasing your pleasure across all aspects of life. As always, make sure to follow the show and check back each week for a new episode. I'd also love it if you'd leave an honest rating and review. And if you'd share the show with anyone else you think would benefit. Much love. Talk soon, friends.